Welcome again, everyone, to another episode of the Bearded Baptists. You're Darren, Gene, Babyface John. Uh, this is uh, part two of an episode on God's will. So if you guys didn't listen to part one yet and you want to hear us talk uh, for about an hour about much of, uh, not much of anything, but there was some good stuff in there. So you definitely want to go back at, and check part one. Um, so we welcome you here to part two. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time in our normal kind of, uh, you know, talking about each other's weeks, things like that. So we're going to kind of get into this because we have a lot to talk about when it comes to finding God's will. Um, again, anything that we mention here, if we mention specific resources, we'll have those available, uh, either links. If you're watching this on YouTube, those will be Amazon links. Uh, that you can pick up these resources we talk about or links to other videos uh, for sermons that we might talk about. Uh, but also you can visit uh, sovereignjoy.org uh, for resources on there as well that have to do with finding God's will, uh, biblical manhood, biblical masculinity masculinity, all these things that we're talking about this episode. So, uh, gentlemen, let's get kind of back in. We, we left last week, uh, or last show, I, we had talked about, um, you know, finding God's will. Um, I had given, um, a little bit of a, a testimony synopsis of what's been going on with me personally and, and us, uh, are kind of involved there. Uh, we talked about a little bit about Providence Church, um, and and where that's going, but we also wanted to talk about um, this idea of finding, you know, well, first of all, let's just get started with that, right? This idea of of finding God's will that it somehow needs to be found, mm-hmm. that it is uh, yeah. mysterious, that it's hidden. Um, you know, got to seek it. Yeah, 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 voting. Uh, you know, used an illustration of Easter eggs, you know, right? We have to hunt for it. We have to go and, 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 you know, have these clues. And then we use these clues and through these things, God leads us through this, this little hunt to find his mysterious will. Um, (laughs) And then again, not just how this pertains, like, you know, my, my uh, personal uh, illustration had to do with ministry, but the everyday person for every other person, you know, people that don't, um, you know, feel that that's their, uh, purpose in life. Right. Cause you know, we, we see that that's a small, per- small percentage, you know, that's just a vocation, just mm-hmm. like anyone else's vocation. Right. God could have people that who are artists who are, you know, bankers who are an att- attorneys, um, small, probably small percent percentage of attorneys. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> if you're an attorney out there, um, well, you're probably not listening to the show anyway. But uh, but law enforcement, mm-hmm. right? Military, all these areas of life, vocations, right? We see, you know, Jesus, Jesus' yeah. earthly father, carpenter, right? So um, all these other vocations that you could do to the glory of God and that by being someone who is dedicated to the Lord on fire for God, all that stuff doesn't mean that you, you leave that vocation um, to, to, you know, to go into full-time ministry, quote unquote, uh, to follow God's will. So, so let's talk about that first, this idea of finding, okay. Does God have a secret will that we are somehow to dig and find and look for clues, um, throughout our lives? Yeah, I would say no, that God, God's will is not secretive. God's will is plain. Um, what we were kind of talking about. And then whenever this question comes up, it's more for the individual. They want to know the individualistic. What does God want me to do? It has to be this special word, this special revelation. And a lot of times when it comes to your life, when it comes to what you, what God is calling you to do, it starts with the foundation. It starts with, he's made his expectations very clear up front. I was just reading recently. I just finished up the gospel of Matthew uh, and Jesus uh, as he's heading into Passover, he's teaching in the temple. And it says in Matthew uh, chapter 22, verse 34, it says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, what command in the law is the greatest? 
So the expectation is here. Hey, Jesus, tell mm. me what, what, what does God what it m- want me to do? What law does he want me to obey? What is his will for my life, right? What's the expectation for me? And Jesus goes, he said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commands. And so much like scripture does in a lot of ways, the lesser points to the greater. So let's just start with what's God's gen- just general will for everyone. It's right. to love him, mm. right? But we can't love him because of sin. We are, mm. we are born with a sin nature. We are born in rebellion. We actively choose rebellion a lot of times in our lives. And so we have to go back to the beginning, Mark chapter one, verse 15, where Jesus says, repent, Repent yeah. of your sins because the kingdom of God is here. And so before you can even love love God and love others and even establish just that general principle, you have to be saved from your sins, right? And so that's mm-hmm. starting place one. What does God desire you first and foremost? Well, if you don't know him, his desire is that you would repent and turn from your sin. And then uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives you when you are saved, uh, then you can start carrying out and start to learn how to carry out those general expectations of love me, and then love your neighbor. Um, so are you suggesting then, John, that God um, has somehow revealed his will to us in his scripture? You could make that argument, yes. Okay. Yeah. So so it's not something, and, and, and you know, again, we'll, we'll talk about this some more. It, this We're not on the great Easter egg hunt. Correct. Wow. He's given it to us in the scripture. That we can in plain understand. words. Okay. All right. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. So, um, <laughs> so go read your Bibles. We're done. Go read your Bible and don't uh, throw fleeces out. You're not Gideon. Yeah. Um, and and a, and a great verse uh, that I've been applying to my life recently, and I've I've been teaching our boys. It's our I think I've referenced this before. It's Second Corinthians five nine. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may re- be replayed for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Mm. So the And it says in verse 7 that we walk by faith. Um, and so just the general rule to kind of teach that principle I've been teaching to myself and my boys is, we make what is God's will? I want to be pleasing to him. Mm. That is his will. That is what he desires. I want to live my life moment by moment, day by day, to be pleasing to him. Am I going to do that perfectly? By no means. That's why he's giving me grace, not just for what I've done in the past, but also to cover my failures mm. in the future. And for him to say what it says in the Proverbs, hey, you fall seven times, but the righteous man stands up again, right? So that's what we do. That's what grace. And he says, this is what I've laid out for you. And then we can get into the specifics or individualistics like giftings and how we find that out and how we apply that both in the church and in our vocation and, and family. Yeah. I think last time I started to allude to a, uh, a sermon by John MacArthur, which I think yeah. was helpful to me. Right. I haven't listened to a lot of sermons on, on God's will, but mm-hmm. this was, this was one of them, and it's an area that I had struggled with. You know, I spent a lot of time in corporate America. Mm. There was a lot of um, woke, secular stuff going on mm. there. I struggled, you know, am I wasting my life? I think I had indicated so often, you just, I feel like I'd leave a, you know, a sermon and feel like, well, gosh, maybe I'm just not a good Christian. I, like, what? Why am I doing it? I have all these talents, but I'm, you know, I'm wasting them over here at, mm. you know, this company or something. And mm. is that really what God wants me to do? Should I really be doing that? Shouldn't I, you know, how should I be using? And I really wrestled around with that a lot. And then I, you know, I came across this, this sermon by John MacArthur. And so, you know, you, you just spoke to, to um, a little bit of it, but mm. he lays out, you know, there's six S's of, uh, well, that's a stretch. The well, last the S one, is a stretch. Five of them are, are, are actual S's. The other one, I think he was like, gosh, I, re- I reached five and maybe I'm just going to make this last one <laughs> yeah. into an S. Yeah, that, that but, last one. So real quick, yeah, real quick. So you don't want me to talk Shut, about it. Yeah. Well, we, we, no, we are. But I just want to make it clear. 
that God's will is revealed in Scripture. Yes. Yeah. That our first place that we look to for his will is not signs and coincidences, is not, yeah. right? Yeah. God has revealed his will in Scripture. All right. Back yeah, I mean, I think the same thing is true for people looking for this prophetic message. Well, well like looking for, I need God to speak to me. Mm. He did. He right. is. He right. can. He's got. Just go to this. Right. God speaks through his word. He doesn't speak through the newspaper. He doesn't speak, you know, I'm not saying he can't, but <laughs> right. But I, I think that all too often people are looking in the wrong places. Yeah. It, they're making it overly complicated. Yeah. Right, and so what stuck out to me the most, and I didn't write down notes. I should have wrote down more notes about some of the Bible verses. But as as MacArthur's going through this, he'll like read this Bible verse, and it'll be like, "The will of God is right." Mm. Yes, the will yeah. of God. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm sure I've read these Bible verses, right?" And it yeah. didn't even like stick out to me. So it's not overly complicated. It's literally like you don't have to read between the lines. Yeah, literally, God reveals His will over and over. In scripture, but anyway, these the six S's that he uses are saved, mm. right? So, you know, he wants us saved from our sin, right? That, yes. that that's God's God's will. Um, he wants us spirit filled, right? So that's that was number two. Um, sanctified, submissive, suffering. And saying thanks. Mm. So the saying thanks one is you have to add yeah. yes in there, but he uh, he ruined it with that last one. Yeah, no, but those. But, those but, are, but he walks through thankful. this. I mean, yeah. he's it, it's a, it's a long, a fairly long, probably an hour long. And no. he walks through a lot of Bible verses related to this, and I think it really, really opened my eyes. And, and and you know, he he says, you know, people ask, why did I marry, you know, my his wife? I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like. Because I wanted to, yeah. I liked her. She liked yeah. me. I wanted to, right? What you know? Why do you? Why did you come to work at, or, or at Grace Church? They wanted me, and I wanted. It yeah, seemed like yeah. a good place, and so he's like, you know what? If you are, spe- filled with the Spirit, and you're in the Word, you're being sanctified. You're 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 a believer. You're obviously you're saved. Yeah. Right. You're submissive. You're su- you're submitted yourself to Christ in every aspect of your life. If you're doing that, then do whatever you want to. Yeah, yeah, I like because that because God has put those desires in your heart. Because if you're truly these things, then your desires are God's desires. Yes, Psalm thirty-seven. Right. Yeah. Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And I and I think what's important here is the kind of the way that you interpret that verse could be some people will look at it as and he will give you the desires like things mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. some people will take mm-hmm. it as far as if i delight in the lord he's going to my desire is to have this car and he's going to give it to me but i take it especially in light of macarthur saying that it's not that he's going to give you these things but your desires he will generate the desires of your heart. So what you're desiring is actually flowing out of him. So your desire to help people, to spread the gospel, to share these things are going to be these desires that are, you know, that have their origination in him and then that are now flowing out through you. Yeah. Yeah. To, to your point, I was just thinking of that same verse and the way you're describing it, Darren is, yeah. If you're trying to attain these things because you want recognition, you want validation, you want to prove yourself, well, yeah. him giving you the desires of your heart, you want validation, you want approval, you want recognition, I've given that to you right? because I've saved you. Yeah. I've made you a co-heir with Christ. You're just waiting for me to fulfill my promise where I'm going to pull you up before all creation and be like, this dude is with me. Yeah. Like, I know him. I call him friend. And we're going to toss our crowns and all of our treasures that he gave us at his feet because he's worthy. Mm. Right? But... But, but we have to be aware of our desire. So a lot of times with seeking God's will, what we're asking is you have to start with what is he laid out, but then also kind of a self-examination to know yourself enough to be like, what am I seeking after? Mm. Why do I aspire to this position? Why do I want to take that job? What am I seeking in that yeah. moment? Um, 
And as you were reading, I'll just reference people to First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians is a great book uh, or letter to go through. But First Thessalonians four three, we talk about it all the time. For this is God's will, your sanctification. Going mm-hmm. to that, there you go. There's one of them. You go to cha- <laughs> you go to chapter That's five. Re- I think that you have to read between the lines, though. Does that really mean that? <laughs> uh, but the back half of, of chapter five, I mean, it talks through things. I'm just going to read it because it's so good. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and and admonish you and regard them very highly in love because of their work. So, what is God's will that you show honor to your spiritual leaders? Um, and we exhort your brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. Um, who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Mm. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things, hold to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. So, I mean, that in itself, just for the individual Christian, that's a lot to practice. You can just sit there for just, a little Just, like a just read that, just that. Yeah. over and over again, and yeah. you'll figure it all out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's great. Um, uh, that's what I. I think it was uh, Augustine who said, "Love God and do what you want," mm. because that idea of loving God then encompasses that. Right? You're not going to claim to love something and like not know it. Right? Like you say that you love your wife. Well, that love is something that has been cultivated through getting to know someone, right, in a very deep level. And so the same thing, if you love God, you're going to know about him, his things, his character. And in that love... Those who love me, obey me. Mm. Obey me, right? And same thing with, again, if you if you bring it down to an earthly thing. You love your wife, you don't want to disappoint, you want to do things that, you know, make her happy that please her and so your decisions you make are shaped by that so if you move that then to the lord the decisions you make then will be shaped by those things as well mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I think many in many ways <clears throat> uh we overcomplicate this um and, and again i uh i think i alluded uh to a, an illustration i'd heard from someone um it might have been greg Kokel. Uh, but I can't remember, and I use this all the time, so I, I probably just claim that I came up with this, and that's fine. Um, but it was an illustration of, of three spheres, right? Because people, like, beyond just what do I do with my life, it's people can, can get down to the minutia of, all right, what, what uh, does God want me to buy this car? Or should I buy this house? Or should I go on this vacation? And so what I, what I like to point people to is this idea that if you would take these three spheres, so if you picture and you know, we can have visuals for people that are watching or, or, something, or, or a link to a, a diagram of this, but you have three spheres, three circles, um, and they all kind of intersect in, in the middle. It's a Venn uh, diagram. Yeah, yeah. So For all the you nerds out there. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's the, you know, we're not talking about intersectionality, but they, these do intersect. So if you look at the one sphere is God's moral, uh, laws, right? So if you, if you're faced with a decision to make, first you look at God's moral law, does it break these things? Okay. So if you're say, you're, okay, do I marry Susie? Well, if you're cohabitating with Susie already, well, you're, you're breaking God's moral law. So right there, you, you need to get that right, okay? Um, so is it, you know, are we looking at honest things? Do you have to lie? Is there deception? Is there things like this involved? All right, so you say, well, no. So this, this, this does not break God's moral law. Then you move on to the sphere of wisdom. Is it a wise decision? If, you know, you're starting out as a family, let's say, you know, you, you, you've got, you're married, you have four kids, um, but you're wanting to buy this Corvette, this two-seater Corvette, and that's the only vehicle you have as a family, probably not a wise decision, right? Even though maybe you can afford it, doesn't break God's moral law, but it's not a wise decision. Same right. thing with, okay, should I marry Susie? Well, if you guys are... I don't know, 19, uh, 
she's going to go off to college in Washington. You're going to be in college in Maine. Probably no, not the best that. idea. Yeah, don't do that. To get married right then. Yeah. Or or maybe it is. You need to adjust. <laughs> well, you're going to need to adjust. Someone's going to have to go with the other person. That's for a whole new episode. Right? And and honestly, that would be an why episode. Is she going, why is she going to Washington why to college is she going to get married? To get in debt. Yeah, I don't think. Whatnot. So, but that's for another thing. This is hypothetical. So, so you have God's moral law, uh, you have the wisdom, and then the third thing, which I think is probably the most overlooked, is your desire. Yes. Is do you want to do it? Right. God gives you the desires of your heart. God's a good father. We have to think of it too, right? He wants to. He wants you to be happy, not happy in the sense of, you know, debauchery, but yeah. So you look at these things. And so when it comes to Susie again, all right, if you guys are holding to God's moral command, right, you're, you're not shacking up, uh, cohabitating, you, you know, you're, you're not fornicating, all right? So boom, we've got God's moral law. It's a wise time. We're, we're ready, you know. Our career, you know, uh, Bob's career is set. And Susie's going to come alongside. Awesome. And then you look at the factor of, hey, Bob, Bob loves Susie. Well, there you go. One, two, three, marry the girl. Yeah, It's that simple. And so we can look at it, you know, people want to say, well, should I, should I buy this house? Well, okay, does buying a house break God's moral law? Well, if you're not stealing the money to get it and whatever, is it wise? Well, if interest rates are at seven something, if, you, if you're not able to say you pay cash for a house and the house is... 800,000 that is not, is, is, is valued way above what it is. And you're going to be upside down the minute you buy it. Well, then it's not a wise decision, right? Yeah. So, so we, but we make it so difficult where it's, we're wanting, um, you know, a, a dove to land on a particular car that's got a little olive branch in its mouth and, you know, a rainbow settles on top of it to say, Oh, God wants me to buy this car because he, I had a dream about it last night and now I'm watching all these commercials today. And sadly enough, people make (laughs) unwise decisions because of interpreting a sign Mm. as God telling them to do it and justify it that way. Yeah. That's the real sad. Yes. We see that a lot. You've used, uh, throughout kind of this episode and the last episode, you talked about the fleece test and that's Gideon, right? Yeah. But, we need to op- realize that Gideon was operating from a place of unbelief. Yeah. Because mm. the angel calls him a mighty man of valor. And he's like, ah, uh, you got the wrong dude. So <laughs> here's here's how I'm going to know, because God called me a mighty man of valor. I'm going to put my fleece out. And if the ground around it is wet, but it stays dry, then I'll know. And so that happens. And he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the fleece stays wet and the ground stays dry, you know, and he go and he's testing God, which he told him in the law, don't do. Right. Don't test me. Right. If I if I speak it, you're to do it, mm. right? But we we make the unbelief the we we romanticize, we spiritualize, we we just like it that because it apply it appeals to our doubting nature mm. rather than than having the view of seeing the things that, that God sees. So I mean, I think that's something to bear in mind that Gideon is not the standard. Right, he's everything in judges is the exception. Yeah. Right. You know, right. Yeah. And, and that's a good point too, John, because many times we'll see one thing happen in scripture and we want to make it a normative, uh, principle, right? We see, um, you know, uh, again, coming to this idea of calling, you hear this a lot when it comes to, um, ministry, you know, what's your call, describe your call. And I have to say that, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yes. How, do we see instances of scripture of men that were supernaturally called? Sure. But these were several men over several thousand years under very particular circumstances in this time that mm-hmm. if that's the case, then we should expect everyone to be riding a horse, right? And be knocked off the horse by a light and God, Jesus appear to them and call them. Well, of course, we're not going to have that, right? But we have the same thing where it's, oh, we'll describe your call, and you have to go into this great thing, this uh, experience of, well, you know, God um, you know, did this, and uh, 
I, I felt this and saw this and then this confirmed that. And then this, ha- well, how about when we do particular speak of ministry, how about we look at what God's requirements are? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, 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 of a minister. We yeah. see someone, you know, we see the qualifications in Timothy and Titus, mm-hmm. uh, biblical qualifications. We also see that it even says specifically that it is a honorable thing of a man desires or aspires and some yeah. aspires. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how the message would describe it. Maybe, you know, <laughs> once really bad or, or something like that, but, uh, uh, but so, and we kind of take that out of it because we think that if I actually want it, that's a bad thing. That's my flesh coming through. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that leads into the next area of how, how do you discern God's will? Well, we've been talking in the individualistic, but we're not individuals, right? We are, we are parts of the body as uh, second or first Corinthians 12 talks about that. We have been grafted into the church. And so just as scripture confirms that just as the spirit, you're given the body brothers and sisters in Christ, and you're giving a gifting upon salvation to work out in the church so that people can go, man, Darren, you're really good at counseling. Gene, you got a head for business. We call those gifts out when we Mm. see them. And that confirms it for us to go, all right, Maybe I should pursue counseling. Yeah. Maybe I should start right, my own right. business to the glory of God yeah. rather than just operating in kind of this individualistic fog and just going, I don't know where to go. That's why yeah. I gave you the church as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which goes into the elders, right? Going to your, going to your elders and seeking their counsel. Um, but well, that, this is another rabbit hole is when you, when you get into churches that are so big mm-hmm. that no one knows people in a personal way right mm-hmm. your your elder board doesn't know everybody mm-hmm. and can make yeah. those decisions anymore because they frankly can't get the yeah the time the face-to-face time but i, I just want to make a comment on that because you're, you're talking about like using the gifts embracing this mm. you know i our, i think our society i know i saw it a lot in the corporate world there's a lot of focus on what you're not good at and that you have to really work on this and, you know, there's something to be said for that. Mm. The, the idea that, you know, if you're, I don't know, the areas of your life that you're not as skilled in, that you should work to develop mm. there some. You know, that, that makes sense. But but that shouldn't come at, at the expense of what you've been gifted in. So actually right. embrace the gift. Be all that you can be in what you were gifted in. You mm. know, if, if you are a, a gifted builder, right? And maybe you're whatever, then, and you're not really good at speaking or you're just not, well, maybe God doesn't want you to be a preacher. So <laughs> stop listening to the, the, whatever these sermons are and trying to convince yourself that you're supposed to be a preacher. Be a great builder. Yeah. Build yeah. glorious God yeah. honoring things, right? And do it in a good way. Run a building company mm. in a way that honors God. You know, treat your employees really well. There's so many opportunities to do things for the glory of God in every vocation. Mm. And there's this tendency for us to want to be things that we're not and not embrace the things that, that we are. Yeah. I, I think in kind of the the larger church culture, I think because men specifically wander around not knowing what they're good at, that they're just, they're afraid to try or their, their, their desire for glory and recognition is so great that when they see God move in an individual, it's a weird phenomenon where we almost, we take someone's story, their testimony, and then we're like, that's the mold. I need to be conformed into that. And we try to live out that person's story, the way God is specifically working in that Mm. individual rather than going, God, I love that brother. I want, I want a testimony not his testimony, but I want a testimony that I can point to, but we don't know how to articulate that. So we yeah. just, we just naturally just start following. And we're like, man, I, I'm not making six G's. So I can't make six G's and have that testimony where I was making six G's. And then I gave all that up to go start a church or, yeah. or go to the mission field mm. or do whatever. And it, then it creates just this downward cycle of like feeling like a failure. Yeah. And it just, it's this mm. weird perpetuating cycle rather than just saying like, Gene was saying like we need to play we need brothers and sisters around us that see our strengths and mm. see what God is doing so they can go man you're a reader you love to memorize scripture like go in all, all on that like just pursue that mm-hmm. the other stuff will come right yeah 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 that's really good because we are we are have the ability to 
um, to nowadays, we have the ability through the internet and whatnot to compare ourselves to a lot of people, um, especially people that get popular, right? This is really big in the speaking, preaching thing is, all right, well, I'm not a voting and I'm not a, you know, I'm not a John MacArthur or this or that, but well, no, that's because you're you and that's what God wants. He wants your personality. He wants these things, um, to use that for his glory. And, and again, whether, um, I think you, you bring up a good point of, um, people recognizing, um, their gifts, walking in those gifts, even if it goes against say cultural expectations, mm-hmm. right. Societal expectations. Um, we, we, I mean, we're going through that with, with, and I, I may have alluded to it previously with my daughter, who's 17. Uh, she's going to be 18 this year, uh, senior in high school. Um, and, you know, all of her friends are you know, looking at colleges and they're going to go and do this. And she isn't feeling that way. Like her gifts, she's, she's more artistic. She likes to make, you know, create things, crochet, crafts, draw, all that stuff. And, you know, you don't really go to college to get a degree in needle You can, work. probably. You, I'm sure they'll take your money for it. Exactly. She was ac- exactly. athletically gifted. They would set her up with, oh, you want to do needlepoint? Well, we'll give you a, <laughs> as long as you're doing the sport and you're really good at the sport, right. you can have right. whatever major you want. So so we're telling them, and, and we see this, I, I, really we see this across the board. This isn't just her, right? We see this with a lot of men that... Yeah. Um, the trades. They're not going into the trade. Yeah, I was just going to say The that. trades are at such right. deficit, which, and now, because of that, a lot of these guys make some really good money, you know, plumbers and electricians and carpenters, um, because there's, there's, there's a deficit there. Uh, and so you're taking someone who might have a natural skill in building, um, you know, or what, and then you're trying to get them to sit down in a class, a business class or, or something. Yeah. And Hey, wait, no, you know, sit still Johnny and get this 4.0 average. These things are frowned. I mean, it's almost like those being in the trades is frowned upon. Right. You're, like you're it's lesser. Low, yeah. You're a lesser student. Oh yeah. That's, it's almost like that's for the dumb kids or something. Yeah. Or that's for the, you know, the average. Yeah. Like nobody does it. You almost, you, you, you almost think about like, Practically, the high school dropout is the one that goes <laughs> off and does that. They don't, right? And it goes off to the Votech school or yeah. something. Um, you know, similar thing. We we talked about my son that just went Jack. Yeah. And, you know, my my other son is um, much more mechanically inclined. He's he's a uh, well, I'm an engineer, so I don't know if I've ever said that before, but. He's he's more similar to me. I I could I could just see it, and you know both both boys with some of their friends were in various activities. Um, some of them were like science Olympiad. They were um, it was one, one of these examples, and that's almost like book smart type of stuff, mm-hmm. right? One of them was robotics. They they got into robotics competitions, and they had to work as a team. They they were given kind of instructions or the rule book, so to speak, and how you can score points. And then they would have to work as a team. They have to design, they'd have to build a robot. They'd have to actually operate the robot and compete against other, other teams. Right. I mean, the the team did really well. They actually, when my children were in it, they, they won the Maryland state championship, the Delaware state championship, and they went to the national championship and got fourth place. So they did extremely well, but through that whole experience, um, I could see that Jack was not the engineer, right? Some of the others were engineers. You could just tell, but he just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Even though he did well in school and math and stuff like this, he wasn't. He wasn't that. He just he had no interest yeah. in it. Yeah. He just didn't have that. And so I started to encourage him to take some business classes. Do do you know? Maybe you should be an accountant, or maybe you should be. You know, now he's in a financial planning. And so far he loves it, wow. right? He yeah. did not go to be an engineer, but the schools want to push. Like if you're a smart kid, he did well in school. If you're a smart kid like that you, and you can do well in, oh, you should be in in STEM, mm-hmm. right? You, you should definitely go mm-hmm. into, what, mm-hmm. what is that? Science, technology, technology engineering, engineering, and mathematics. And mathematics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, 
the kids that are smart <laughs> in that shouldn't necessarily go there either. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, I just, I thought that was an example um, of, you know, I'm his father. I had some insights there, but I tried to point him to where his strengths were. Mm-hmm. So having people come alongside of you and we should be pointing to people's strengths and, you know, yes. or, or like where, where will you thrive? Mm. You're going to thrive where God's given you the skills and where, where you want to do it. That's the magic. That's the magic sauce, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that everybody's trying to seek. And I think, so, you know, when we look at this, so we see God's will, um, you know, to look at some points here, God's will is not hidden. He has revealed his will in scripture. Um, so we should seek that out to follow that, uh, very good, um, kind of summary verse would be the, uh, first Thessalonians four, three, mm-hmm. um, right there, uh, few the other things are in to factor in then when as we were stepping through this what god has gifted you with and that you it's not like bad to follow that wherever if that's going countercultural. so if you're feeling like you love to build stuff it's okay to not go to college get in debt a crazy amount of debt if you really want to go out and build houses that's okay. If you want to go out and, you know, run electrical wiring or, or, or do anything like that, that's a good thing. All right. I mean, it's a good thing if you want to go and be in sanitation because that's always a career that's kind of looked at as, oh, yeah, you couldn't do anything else. But, you know, let those guys go on strike for a month and you're, you're going to see just how important that job is to society and the important thing is whatever you're doing you're doing it for the glory of god and so you can do these things while you are completely sold out on fire and i'm using all the you know our evangelical buzzwords buzzwords. yeah um yeah spirit-filled sold out uh on fire uh for for the lord you can do those while you're framing a house, you can do those while you're doing someone's finances. You can do those anywhere. If you're digging ditches, you can do that very thing. You can be God's light in those areas and it's okay to do that. And that's what his intentions are. Yeah. That's what he wants. Yeah. Like we took every Christian, you should all be preachers. No, (laughs) I mean, that would be ridiculous. Right. I mean, think about it. We're, we're supposed to, Take dominion. Well, how do you do that? You're going to need a lot more than just a bunch of preachers, right? You, yeah. I mean, it just it kind of makes logical sense yeah. that um, not everybody's going to do the same thing. Yeah, and uh, uh, why are we struggling? Why is this topic I think so big? Is well, to go back to the point, First Corinthians twelve. God arranges a body as He sees fit. He mm-hmm. gives gifting. Yeah. But what we fail to realize is that we're still sinful men. We still have envy. We still have malice. We still want to prove ourselves in a sinful way, not to live for the glory of God, but we want to make ourselves known. And so we'll start to categorize different things. We'll be like, all right, that's a very important thing because that's what I'm naturally gifted at. This brother's gifting over here. I'm going to shove that down or that threatens me or I'm going to push that away. And it's rather than the church being edifying and us being able to speak life into one another and speak out what is good, we start kind of undercutting people. Mm and playing to their weaknesses because then it gives us leverage and then we have power, we have authority. And then we're, they're jumping through our hoops rather than just, man, I've seen brother after brother that has been gifted mechanically or gifted with, um, just tangible skills. There's a brother I know that does woodworking. Uh, and he started in the church. He started saying, all right, somebody was like, I need a cabinet replaced. And he's like, well, I think God's calling me to this. Let me, do you mind if I take a crack at your cabinets? And it did really well. And then, cause he, was trained and developed in the church. Then the church was like, dude, you should be doing this full time. And this is the way you're going to provide for your family. And we just aim it. And it's, and then it leads into him using his vocational skills. And then he's having the gospel conversations. He's sharing a little bit about a story. Hey, how, here's how I got into this. Here's how I'm doing this. This is why I do it. And so it takes that dominion piece where we're all called to give a reason for the hope that's in us, as Peter talks about, but we're not all called to the office of elder or deacon, but we all called to proclaim the, the authority yeah, right. and majesty of yeah. Jesus, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I, and so I, I think it's good then to kind of define that um, as far as God's calling. 
is those desires that he is planting in you. Um, if it, and that doesn't necessarily just mean ministry. Those desires can be something like that to be a carpenter, to be an electrician, to be whatever, an artist that's God's calling for you. Um, let's maybe take some of this, uh, we have this, uh, Christian speak, mm-hmm. right? And we, so it's, you don't really hear a whole lot of people say God's calling for me is to build houses, yeah. right? Um, calling is kind of reserved for ministry related things, but no, that, that, I think this is, that that's bogus. Um, what's God has gifted you in, that's your calling then. And so whether or not it's, um, you know, building a house, maybe it is teaching, maybe it is, you know, pastoring, maybe it is whatever, but all those things are just as legitimate because you know, one thing that's really important is people look at say full-time ministry as, as, you know, man, you just got to be out and you're like, really, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're advancing that kingdom. And it's like, well, yes and no. Right. Because a lot of times when you're in full-time ministry, depending on what it is, you're surrounded now more with more Christians. Um, you know, that, that, no, that would be different, say, for a missionary. But let's just say a pastor or, or someone like that, you're, you know, you're going to work. You know, if, if, if it's to, to use typical, and I'm just going to say typical examples today of a pastor whose office is, say, at a church or something, he goes in there, well, the associate pastors are there, which are more Christians. You know, your secretaries are Christians. Uh, mm-hmm. Your meetings during the day are with Christians. So you have to actually be more purposeful to kind of go out into the world and, you know, do the work of an evangelist. Whereas I really think you need to look at the, the role of ministry is for the people that stay in their secular jobs. Well, it's, it's the Ephesians four that the teachers and preachers are given for the uh, edifying of the saints so they can do the work of right. the ministry, exactly. right? The, yeah. the church body, the layman, this is why we're not um, Catholic. This is, you know, we, we, that was a big thing of the reformation was Luther and a lot of the reformers were saying, no, 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 no. It's not the sacred office. Like every Christian can be doing that. Yeah. And I think we've lost that a little bit big time. or, or we've, or we've at the worst, a lot, or at the worst case, we've, we've delegated our responsibility to someone else because we don't yeah. want to be bothered by it. And yeah. I think this has led to, to the idea now of instead of personal evangelism, it's, Oh, let me invite my friend, my neighbor, my coworker to church. And then, Hopefully the pastor has a really good evangelical uh, or, uh, you know, evangelistic message that day planned so that this person can hear it instead of I'm going to evangelize in the workplace, you know, or in the backyard or at the baseball game and then bring this person to church. Because really, I think, you know, the carpenter, the accountant, that's the full time ministry because they're out in it full time. Yeah. I mean, the pastor's supposed to be feeding the sheep, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what he said? Isn't yeah. that what Peter? I, I think mean, what uh, Jesus somewhere. said. Jesus Some, somewhere in there. Yeah. Feed my sheep. Um, who are the sheep? Right, it's the saints. Right, so they're the saved people. Right, it's not go out and mingle with the goats and um, and and you know find the straggling sheep necessarily. Right, I mean that's what we're supposed to be. Or mm. the, those that are outside of full time ministry mm. are, are to be doing. Yeah. Right? To, to a large extent. Right. Yeah. I think that's what you were saying. Yeah. So, yeah. but, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we have given up that responsibility. Um, it made me think of like for a while I was, uh, doing Amway stuff back in the, back oh, in the wow. day. Amway. Yeah. yeah. Is that still uh, around? Uh, I think it is, but hmm. I'm not sure. Okay. It's been a long time, but you know, in reality, yeah, everybody was supposed to be like their individual salesman. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know what ended up happening is some people were just really good at it. And so, so you end up becoming, okay, you go, guys go out and you're going to invite all your friends, invite all these people to come and hear the really good motivational speaker salesman right, person. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to give a big show and be very convincing. And that's going to like get them to make that decision. And I'm like, Hmm, 
Sounds like a lot of churches that we go to, right? <laughs> go invite all your friends and, yeah. and we're going to just give a real good show and we're going to have a real motivational preacher speaking that's got to use a lot of eloquent language and they're going to get, they're going to convince these people that they need to accept Christ. Yeah. And, and I think that's got it a little bit wrong, hmm. right? But Well, I mean, you see that a lot where, well, that's just kind of crept in in general where the church has become that, uh, taking it on a role with a lot of things that it just really uh, initially wasn't meant to. Um, yeah, I mean, we're probably going down a path of stuff off off topic a little bit, but well, I start thinking about the other the other thing is you don't have to feel like I I don't I don't believe that um, even in your job that full time you need to be preaching the gospel every day to every, mm-hmm. every person you run into either. I mean, there's a whole lot. And we, we talked about this a little bit before, but just being a good father mm-hmm. and a good husband, raising godly children. I mean, the impact that you that you would have in your lifetime. Um. Doing by doing that well mm. is going to impact hundreds or thousands of people yeah. for generations, right? And and we might might lose sight of the fact that there's a huge opportunity to evangelize in your inner circle, do really really well there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it talks about in Proverbs that the person who the man who does his work well will stand before a king, right? And so we do our work well first unto the Lord, but the the fact that we're good at our job and we're taking it and we're seeing it for what it is that hey I'm providing for my family I'm doing what God created me to do I'm working that's His will what did He create me to do to work so I'm working I'm laboring I'm providing for my family I'm investing in them and exercising just everything that comes along with that when you set your mind on that then the influence will come the the right to kind of speak into or share the gospel with a coworker. but a lot of times people see it with the actions but we need to be careful right. that we're also associating the action with why we're doing it the the word of the gospel because a lot of people just are good at their work but they have the wrong motivation the wrong yeah. desire yeah that's good and um i think then to summarize and kind of start to wrap up then we see uh to to reiterate a few points um again to kind of drill this in in uh Maybe a Joel Webbin style of, um, uh, you know, re- yeah, re- say repetition. It seven times. Repetition. Yeah, repetition. I gotta say it. Yeah. Uh, but again, God's will is not hidden. Uh, he has revealed it to us in Scripture. Um, the things that He wants, that He has commanded us uh, to do, and so you know, again, wrap you know, summary verse of being First uh, Thessalonians four three. We see it right there. When it comes to, say, maybe some of the secondary issues, then then we start to maybe look in some of the decision-making processes of, you know, is it morally right? Is it wise? And do I desire it? Okay, factoring those things in. Um, and then if you are sitting there and you're listening to this and you're like, what do I do? Really start to look at, okay, and even seek advice. Hopefully you're in a good church. You have elders. You have elders there who know you. If not, maybe you have good friends who are, are give good advice and ask them, what do you see in me? What do you see that I'm gifted at? Uh, if it's not plain to you, and if it's plain to you, but you don't think it's good enough, you don't think it's, you know, Christian enough, accept it, mm-hmm. all right? If you're, if you're good at if you're an artist, man, we need Christian artists, right? Because there's a lot of junk out there. If you're a builder, if you're good with numbers, if you, you know, if it's health, if it's medical, you like to see people be well, run after that. Do those things to the glory of God because that is God's desire is that you do those things. Um, and if you don't know it yet, then again, seek counsel from people who know you, uh, your family, um, good Christian uh, friends, your church, and and just ask them, what gifts do you see? Because many times we are blind. We are blind to our own giftings, um, or we just d- deny it. You know, if someone comes up to you and says, man, you're really good at, you know, advice. You really, you, you're a good listener, and you're like, oh, no, not me. You know, that's not me. Listen to them. God could be putting these people in your path to point these things out, right? One thing, I love uh, Paul Tripp's book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. 
He, that's what we are. We're, we are to be instruments in our Lord's hands. Um, and sometimes that's not just for, say, the kingdom work in the advancement of that, but we're also these instruments to take care of his people. And he can put these people in our path that maybe need to hear these things. So, so listen to those things. If people are coming up to you and saying, you know, giving you these compliments about stuff, listen to that. That could be in ways that the Lord is, is kind of revealing these things. So, um, yeah, that, I just finished a book and I'll probably come back to it again. Uh, just from my own personal reading, it's by a Puritan by the name of Richard Sibbs and it's called the bruised read. And it's all about how God interacts with the believer mm. that he's gentle with them. He's patient with them. But one of the things he talks about in the book is how God sees us. And he says, um, a lot of times God, we see our see ourselves as a seed, but God sees the tree. We see ourselves as the spark, but God sees the flame that God sees the finished product. And so a lot of that time by people uh, speaking into our lives and affirming what God is doing, we need to be able to receive that and understand that God has probably gifted them to see that. Mm. A lot of times we're our, we're our own worst critics. So we only see ourselves as the seed or the spark right. getting by. Right. But there are times where people are like, I know in my own life, I've been like, yo, run after that. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Good stuff here, guys. And again, this is, um, this is the second part to the first episode of uh, Finding God's Will. Uh, we've got a lot of great content coming up, um, all related to now that we have, you know, we're searching for God's will and we see this, what other things do we need to kind of have uh, in place in our lives? We're going to be looking at being stewards of finances, of time, um, uh, uh, other things as far as relationships, um you know, how biblically, what does the Bible and scripture say to relationships in our lives and how we need to uh, relate to others uh, when it comes to family, marriage, children, um, the workplace even. So we've got a lot of great episodes coming up. We thank you guys for joining us again. Uh, you can head over to SovereignJoy.org where we will have resources available Um that you guys can check out. And if you feel like making a donation, there's a button on there that you could do that. Um, if you have any questions, you can email us through there as well. So <clears throat> again, uh, for the Baptists, uh, thank you for being here.